As followers of Jesus, I truly believe that we need to get acquainted with the gospel. What is the gospel? Uh, you know, even, even going to the DR, I realized that there's a need in churches to really define what the gospel is all about. Because people, you know, we, we're dealing with false gospels and, and people might not even know truly what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. And I think as Christians, we've been in the church for so long, we need to understand what the gospel is and what the gospel is not. You see, we live in a shifting culture and things are getting worse. So, I mean, you know, uh, it's imperative that Jesus followers know the content of the gospel. Now, the gospel, the word gospel appears more than 27 times in the, in the New Testament. And we need to know what it is. You know, when, when somebody, hear, somebody hears the word gospel, they might think it's a, it's a musical genre. You know, gospel music. Great. But that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ we're talking about. The word gospel literally means good news. So when we say the gospel of Jesus, we say the good news of Jesus. But we need to understand what is this good news about. Usually when there's good news, it's because prior to the good news, there was some bad news. You know, some people say, I got good news and I got bad news. Which one do you want to hear first? Sometimes people would say. But we need to know this idea of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's been on my mind, especially traveling, I realized... This, you know, here we deal with this idea of prosperity gospel, false gospel. The, the, the writers of the New Testament, they warn people, beware of false gospels, false news out there. So as Christians, we, it's imperative that we are familiar, that we become familiar with the content of the gospel. What is the gospel? You know, Paul writes a letter to a church in Rome. And here, here's how he introduced himself to them. Romans 1, 1 through 6. Because he uses that word repeatedly. This is what Paul says in Romans 1, uh, verse 1 through following. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, whom he, whom, uh, concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Paul says, he introduced himself, and you notice Paul is a writer. He, he writes most letters in the New Testament. So the New Testament is made of 27 books. At least, at least 12 or 13 of those books are epistles or letters. And, and Paul is the writer who writes the most letters in the New Testament. So he's writing Rome, Romans to the, to the church in Rome. And he usually said, Paul, apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul, an apostle, the, word, the word apostle means somebody who's sent out on a mission. And I love it because here in our translation, he says, a servant of Jesus Christ. If you were to look it up, that word servant, there are two words for servant. One is minister, and there's another one is called doulos. In the Greek, it means a slave of Jesus Christ. This is the word that Paul uses here. Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, he said, Called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel. He says, I've been set apart for the good news of Jesus Christ. I've been set apart for the gospel, he said. Now, from, from the get-go, Paul says that the gospel is of divine origin. You notice he says, verse 2, which he promised beforehand through his prophet. Verse 1. 
called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel of God, the good news of God. He, Paul says, I've been set apart for that. And we know because Paul really is referring to Acts chapter 9 when the Lord commissioned him to be an apostle to the Gentiles. From that moment, he became a, a traveling missionary. And now he's writing to a church. He long, he never been to Rome, but he wants to go. He's writing a letter saying in the letter, he later, later on says, I, I want to go and visit you. I haven't been there, but I, you know, I hear how you guys accept and embrace the gospel. And I want to I have this fellowship with you guys. So the gospel is of divine origin. It is of God. God is the author. He's the pioneer of the gospel. He belongs to him. It was his idea. Notice he said God promised this gospel through the prophets in the Holy Scripture. He promised this good news through the prophets. And that is so true because when you read the, the Old Testament, the prophets are saying the Messiah is coming. He, he will be born. Uh, he will ride in Jerusalem riding a donkey. It's like uh, for to us a child is born. And they were saying, proclaiming to people, look, watch, coming soon. It's like in the movie, coming soon, coming soon. They're proclaiming to people the coming of the Messiah, the King, the Messiah King, the Messiah King. So he says, Paul says, promised, God promised this gospel through the prophets in the Holy uh, Scripture. The Old Testament, the New Testament. All the prophets pointed out to the coming Messiah. The writing of the Old Testament, we're pointing toward the gospel of Jesus. Jesus, I mean, the whole Old Testament and New Testament, we're all about Jesus. Do you want to you know the first gospel declaration in the Bible? Where that is found? Genesis chapter 3. The first gospel declaration, the first good news, because remember, chapter 3 of Genesis is all bad news. Man separated himself from God. Sin entered the world. The world is affected by sin. Natural disaster happened. You know, now people had to work for a living. And all that work before was a, a pleasure. And now they had to, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat. And, and you know, and, and curse is the ground. Genesis 3 is, is about this, uh, this curse. But right in the midst of that curse, God, Yahweh said that a descendant of a woman will be the demise of Satan. He will crush your head. You know, even though he might strike his heel. Talking about Jesus, Paul utilizes that passage in Galatians to say that the gospel was proclaimed way in Genesis chapter 3. And you see, the whole idea that we have Genesis 3 through Revelation 22 is because of sin. The bad news. But then there's a good news of Jesus, the gospel. God proclaimed it through the apostles. That something was, that God was going to do to bring mankind back to himself. Paul says that the law and the prophet testified about Jesus, about the good news of Jesus. Look what he says. Go back to our text. Verse 3. Concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection. Every, every apostle, every te teacher or preacher in the Bible always talked about the resurrection of Jesus. Because the resurrection of Jesus truly is the, the anchor, is really what brings life to our preaching and to our lives. Because Paul says without the resurrection, there's no hope. If you and I have hope today, it's because Jesus Christ raised from, was raised from the dead. He, he was risen. John 5, 39, 
Jesus said, the scripture testified about me. That's when Jesus had an encounter with the religious leaders. And he told them, you study the scriptures because by studying the scriptures, you think you will have eternal life. And that's true. But these are the same scriptures that testified about me. And yet you do, you do not believe me. The scripture testified about me. The scripture, the scriptures being telling you that I'm, I was going to come and I'm here. Luke 24, 27 says, and beginning with Moses and the prophets. Here's the prophets again. This is Jesus talking to his disciples right after the resurrection. Luke 24, beginning with Moses and the prophets. He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. All the scriptures testified about Jesus. Now, what is it? What is the gospel about? Look at verse 3. It's about God's son, Jesus, a descendant of David, humanly speaking. Like the ESV says, according to the flesh. Jesus was known as the son of David. Now, really, but you were to do a family tree. You know, there was a promise that the Messiah would be from the lineage of David. That's why most people expected a Messiah like David. You know, uh, God made a promise to David. He says, you know, if you, if you keep my commandment, you will never cease to have a man to sit on the throne. And I'm, I'm going I'm to establish your kingdom forever. You know, you know that David, after David, Solomon and Jeroboam and all those other kings, they all died. But from that lineage of David, somebody was going to be born and his kingdom will never end. So that's why you hear that Jesus is known as the son of David. And there was a man named Bartimaeus. He was, he was crying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David is another messianic title for Jesus. So, son of David, according to the flesh... Also, you look at the genealogy. I think Mary or Joseph, they came from the lineage of uh, the, the family tree of uh, David, whose father was Jesse. So and then Paul talks about the son of God. Uh, you know, when the angel Gabriel announced to Mary that she was going to be uh, she was going to conceive and give birth to a son. He said he will be known as the son of the most high. This is what Paul talks about here. Declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of Holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord, whom through, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations, among all the Gentiles. The resurrection proved that Jesus was indeed who He claimed to be, the Son of God. And Paul said it was because of what Jesus did that he had received that call to become an apostle to the Gentile. A call to, to really call people back to God so that they respond in faith to Jesus. Now, you look at Paul's passion for the gospel. I mean, it, it is intriguing to really do a study about the apostle Paul. Uh, you know, we went through the book of Acts uh, on Friday night. We went through Romans and Galatians. And those are the two letters, Romans and Galatians, that he's dealing a lot with this idea of, like he wants people to understand the gospel because Romans and Galatians, they were dealing with legalism in the church. Some, some people were saying, the Jewish people were saying, the Gentiles are not Christians if they, do, if they do not observe the law, if they're not circumcised as we are. And Paul had to say, like, in, at one time he says, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision count for anything because all, the only thing that matters is faith in Christ. And he had to just lay that out for them. But they would say, no, no, you're not Christian because you had to look like that. You had to talk like us. You had to dress like us. And then 
It's, it's a gospel based on works. And we have we dealing with some of that in our society today in many other countries that people have this gospel based on works. It's almost like whatever Jesus did doesn't matter because it wasn't enough. We had to do other things, you know, and so we had to be. That's why I think the Lord put place that in my heart to kind of define, preach more about what the gospel is so that we already know what the true gospel of Jesus Christ is. Because once we know what it is, we will be able to identify what it isn't. When somebody's throwing th some things that almost, you know, this, uh, by the way, you, have you ever heard another gospel of Jesus Christ? That's Mormons. This, uh, you know, they apparently have another gospel of Jesus Christ. And so which one is it? People are going to, well, there's another gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus already came to America and he's not coming back. Really? That's what the theology of the Mormons is. And so if we're not acquainted with what the gospel, the, the gospel of Jesus says, we're going to fall prey to many other, you know, false gospel. Galatians, Paul says, I cannot believe you're turning into a different gospel that is not even gospel at all. He says, even if the, an angel came from heaven and told you a different gospel from the one you have heard, may that angel be a curse. Because there's no other gospel. There's no other foundation, you know, to be laid. Jesus has got to be the center. And so we, we need to know. That's why I said, you know, I, I've been called to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles, Paul says. And listen to his passion. Look at verse 8 through following. And again, this is a letter, you know, you must say it's an email, a text that he's sending to, to the church in, in Rome. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaiming all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit. Uh, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at least succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want to be... I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. And then he said, verse 14, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. You, I, I hope you can sense, you can hear his passion about how he's just so thrilled to go and proclaim the gospel. To Rome. So I, I often wanted to go, but I've been prevented. You know, and, but I heard about your faith, you know, that because you embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, I felt obligated to preach the gospel, to preach the good news to all people. To Greeks and barbarians. The word barbarians there means non-Greeks. Now, when, when you hear about the Greeks, Greeks in that society, we're talking about the educated class. Because, you know, before Jesus, there was a man called Alexander the Great, and he wanted to, uh, he want, uh, he wanted to make the whole world, uh, you know, to speak the Greek language. And so they wanted to, he, he wanted to, to Hellenize the whole culture, which meant that everybody will speak Greek. So by the time Jesus comes, most people will speak Greek, especially the, the, the educated class. So Paul says, I want to preach to the Greek and also the barbarians, those who are non-Greeks. The ESV call them barbarian and the New American Standard Bible and also the King James Version, but barbarians, non-Greeks. 
to the wise and the foolish. He wanted an opportunity to preach in Rome also, according to verse 14. He prayed for an open door to be able to, to go to Rome and preach the gospel. You know, you and I need to understand that one of the things that happened, once Jesus told the people, go and make disciples, go and preach the good news. They did not go and tell people, hey, let's have a class so you understand the gospel. They would go to places, and whenever the opportunity presented itself, they would introduce people to Jesus. That's, that's what we're supposed to be doing too. You might be talking to Jesus on the subway, or you know, on, the, on, a, on a plane ride somewhere, or you know, it's like at the school, at work, like so that comes up, and now you're sharing Jesus with people. When you do that, you know what you're doing? You're sharing the gospel. That's how they made disciples. You know, Jesus changed the whole world with 12 men. You know, because they were disciples who were making disciples, and it was like a ripple effect. And pretty soon, like the whole gospel was, you know, propagated through the whole Roman Empire. Beginning in Jerusalem. That's why in Acts 1 it says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in all Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Rome will be to the ends of the earth during that time. And Paul already heard that they have received the gospel, and he's writing a letter, you know, telling, Hey, I'm an apostle called for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was sold out to this gospel. He felt obliga obligated to preach the good news to all people. And I don't know about you, but I hope that we, we adopt that type of worldview that we feel obligated whenever. I mean, I'm not saying go and just knock people over the head like, no, I'm going to preach to you. No, whenever the opportunity rises that you say, hey, you want to share Jesus? I mean, I, I tell you why I believe. I tell you why it's important to me to go to church. I tell you why I believe it's important for me to, to raise my kids that they get to know Jesus. You want to know why I, I'm willing to sit down with you and, and talk about it? So I felt obligated to preach the gospel to, to, the, to the upper class, to the middle class, to Greeks and Gentiles. It doesn't matter who, to all people. They need to hear the good news of Jesus. And I love verse 16. It's one of those verses that sometimes people memorize. It's, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of, any, of anyone who believes to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. How many Christians today might be ashamed of the gospel? They don't want, they want to be like undercover Christians. They don't want people to notice they're Christians. That's been ashamed of it. And Jesus, I mean, he has some, some bold words for those people who say, you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. Ouch. It's like before my father and the angels. So, so Paul says, verse 16, look what it says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, for in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The, the, the gospel has contains power for salvation to save anyone who believes. That's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed because he has the power of God for the salvation. So in other words, the gospel tells people how they can be saved. It's interesting. He said first to the Jews and then to the Greeks. Because yes, when the church began, it started with Jewish people. I mean, hello, all the apostles were Jews, right? And then they all started in Jerusalem. That's why the commission wasn't just Jew. Just said, be my witnesses in Jerusalem where you are. Judea, that's like saying Staten Island and then, and then New York. But then how about New Jersey too? You know, oh, and not just New Jersey, Pennsylvania. And now we're going to go overseas somewhere there. You know, remember, Jews did not get along with Samaritans. I wonder how they, how they took Jesus' words. 
<laughs> Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Mm. Samaria will represent those who are not like you, those that you have trouble talking to, to them because they, you know, Jews and Samaritans were at war. And Jesus said, yeah, they need to hear the gospel too. And guess who's going to introduce them to Jesus? You all. So go, go to them as well. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed. I can preach to anybody. It doesn't matter who they are. I got to let them know that they need the good news of Jesus. That without Jesus, we all perish. We all, we all dead in our sins and trespasses. So the gospel shows us and teaches us how to be right with God. This is good news. It's the good news of salvation for anyone, anyone who believes. And when I hear the word anyone, I go back to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That is the gospel. That is good news. You won't have to worry about judgment day or anything like that because, because of Jesus. Because you believe in him, you are secure. You, you have eternal life. I love Paul says in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. I love it because sometimes, you know, that's why it's important to go to Bible study. You hear the word righteousness. And we sing about righteousness. And it's like, oh, that's a church word. But I don't really know what it means. The righteousness of God. And you, all through the Bible, you can just do a study about the right. What is righteousness? Now, Google and some of the, the dictionaries, they say righteousness is defined as the quality or state of being morally just or right. So the, the quality to be morally right. So what, what Paul is talking about here is that in, in, in Christ, that the gospel is going to reveal how you and I can be morally right with God. How you, you and I can be at peace with God. How you can be right with God. Because in our own goodness, we cannot be right with God. You know, the Bible calls us that we, for all have sinned, we have, we're sinful individuals and fall short of the glory of God. So it's how are we going to get close to this holy God when we're so sinful individuals? We cannot do that on our own terms. We cannot do that on our own righteousness or goodness because, you know, sometimes people think, well, I'm better than you because I know. And they go through the Ten Commandments like, check, check, I haven't done that one. So that makes, and the, you, you broke even the, the slight, the smallest one, that you are guilty of sin. So you cannot approach God because he's a holy God. And in God, in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus, the righteousness of God, another word for righteousness is the justice of God. How you can be made right with God is revealed. It shows you here how you can be made right with God. The gospel shows us and teaches us how you and I can be at peace with God. How God will look at you and say they are holy. They're, another word too, they're innocent. They're not guilty of sin. Wow, isn't that, isn't that good news? And all because he sees Jesus in us. This righteousness cannot be earned, only received by faith. Look at what Paul says. For in, it, in the gospel, verse 17, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. You cannot earn salvation. You only have to receive it. You, you see, salvation, we always preach that it's a free gift for anyone. I mean, John, uh, John in the gospel, he, uh, chapter 1, verse 11 and 12 says, Jesus came to his own people, the Jewish people first. He came to his own people, but his own people did not receive him. Yet, to all those who received him, to those who... Uh, 
to all those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to be made children of God. Wow. You know, now there's a privilege because of Jesus. You are made into a child of God, child of the king. Your status has changed. You know how it is sometimes like people on Facebook, oh, they're married or they're single. Or, like there's so many different statuses now. There's like, what does that mean that you, it's complicated. You know, and, and see, it's like, no, no, it's not complicated. It's just in Jesus, you can be a, made a child of God. That's it. It's like Mike and I always talk about like how people sometimes like such a good news, they're complicated. And people are like, well, it's really, it's that simple? Yeah, like, yes, we're all guilty. And because of Jesus, God took our punishment on Jesus so that we can be free from accusations and guilt. Just like that. And it's like, isn't that good news? Because without Jesus, man, we'd be, uh, we'd be worthy of judgment. We earn God's wrath. You know, there's something called God's wrath in Romans chapter 2, which is coming to the world. That's, the Bible calls that the... The, the day of jo- Jacob's trouble or judgment day. But if you are in Christ, I always say this, you don't have to worry about that. Because you've already been in Jesus and God looks to Jesus like, Here's the, I paid for them already. They've been redeemed. They've been justified. They've been declared innocent because of what I did on the cross. That is the gospel. And so P- Paul says, you know, I'm so passionate about telling people about the good news that without Jesus, they, they're going to go to hell. Without Jesus, they, they're condemned. That's what John talks about. If they believe in the, in the Son, they have life. If they reject the Son, they will not see life because God's wrath remains on them. John 3, 36. That's dangerous, man. It's like God will look to you with wrath. At the end of the day, you're going to say, but Lord, uh, you know, I went to church all this time. Yeah, I did. You know, I, I gave my tithe all the time. And then the only question Jesus, God's going to say, but what did you do with Jesus? I mean, those things are important, but you neglect the most important thing. To have a relationship with the, with the Savior. So that through Him, you will have life. That through Him, you will be the righteousness of God. You know, morally right before God because of Jesus. The gospel reveals God's righteousness. Jesus literally is God's righteousness revealed to us. That's what Romans 3, 20, 23 says. God's righteousness is revealed in Jesus Christ. So in Him, the way for people to be made right with God, the way for people to be justified, declared innocent, it is in Jesus, a relationship with the Savior. The gospel, good news of Jesus, has the power to transform and to save lives. This, this message of the gospel that we have, it's been 2,000 years, and people have been preaching the gospel, and you know the gospel has been reaching to the, to the outermost parts of the world that you and I don't even dream about going there, but people translated the gospel, the Bible, so that they get to hear the news of Jesus in their own language. How God loved us so much that He gave us a Savior so that through Him, we can be at peace with Him. So that through the sacrifice of Jesus, you and I will obtain justification, righteousness, this idea of declared innocent, completely guiltless, of sin. Isn't that amazing? All because of what Jesus did. See, no wonder Paul was so eager to tell people about this news. And I think, my friends, we too got to be eager to share the gospel, tell people what the gospel of Jesus Christ is to others. If you want a really a good definition of what the gospel is, read, um, I think Ellie was talking about uh, 1 Corinthians 15. 
I mean, he defined right, that Jesus Christ died according to the scripture, that he raised according to the scripture, everything like what Jesus did according to what the scripture already said. He, God promised that through the prophets. They announced it. And then Jesus came and he said, hey, I'm here already. He did what needed to be done so that through his sacrifice, you and I will have peace with God. And you see, one of the greatest things about you know, our congregation and many of our congregations is that every week we have the opportunity to remember Jesus' sacrifice through the partaking of communion. You know, it's almost like every week you come to church, you won't go home without reminding yourself, why do we take communion? Why do we partake of this wafer and juice? It's to remind ourselves that Jesus' broken body and shed blood gave me life. That, that's the gospel that through, through what Jesus sacrificed, what he did, God looks to me with Favor instead of condemnation, instead of wrath. We got to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with other people. Whoever we come in, in contact with, if you already believe the gospel, you must continue to take a stand for it. And one of the ways that we can take the stand is knowing really what it is. Because, you know, you and I want to debate people and get into things because people have been trying for ages, for years, trying to shift, to change the gospel. You know, people want to create a different Bible that doesn't even talk about sin. Because, well, that's not sin. You know, and the Bible says it is. And, you know, now it's like people want to change the gospel to make it more palatable, to make it more appealing to, us, uh, to, to them. Because, you know, it's like, you know, that's kind of like harsh. You know, well, you know, you did not write it. So how dare you trying to change that? Because this an author it, it's of God. And God said that's the way it is. You know, you are God alone, we said today. You're not a God uh, uh, made by human hands. You are God alone, and I'm not. For before time began, you have been on your throne. And who am I to say, but I don't really like that law, God. You know, but I think that's not fair. <laughs> you know, like, like kids would tell their parents, that's not fair. Yeah, but who makes the rule, parents would tell them. <laughs> Until you can pay the bills, then you can argue with me, you know. And I think that's what God told Isaiah one time, you know, in Job. Joe had a problem with God. You know, it's like, what, all this suffering, all these things. I want, I want to plead my case with the Almighty. And the Lord said, I have one question for you, Job. And if you answer that question, we'll be okay. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? If you can answer that, we can talk. And just like, <laughs> where, were you when I, where were you when I hold the clouds and, and bring the snow and all that? You know. Again, it's like, you want to argue a case with the Almighty? The one who, the lawmaker? So he's he's God, and we're not. I'm saying people trying to change what he has written in the Word, and we need to know really. We need to be acquainted with the gospel of Jesus, with the Word of God, because people in our society and things will continue to to get worse. Because Paul said it to Timothy, they want to change what he says here, because they wanted to make it. They, they wanted to to soothe their their ears. They wanted like no, it's what I like. Somebody said. If you only, if you read the Bible, you only take what, what you like from the Bible, you probably only have one book, Song of Solomon. <laughs> because, you know, is this the guy just in love with this girl, you know what I mean? Like, that's the, if only, you're only going to take what you like from here, maybe that's the only book you will have in the Bible. Because the other ones will have some things like, love your enemies, like, really? It's like, hmm. And pray for those who persecute you, like, oh, come on, Lord, you got to be playing. And, and forgive those who... You know, it's like, really? I mean, you see, God's calling us to this kind of standard, man. And it's, it's not easy, but he never said it was going to be easy. 
He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But trust me, I have overcome the world. And, and you already believe in me, because, you know, because you embrace the gospel. And guess what? They, now when people persecute you, they're going to persecute me. When people want to come against you, they're going to come against the mighty God. And you and I understand that, that greater is he that's in us than the one that is in the world. And that's all possible because the gospel of Jesus Christ. 2,000 years have passed and people continue to be transformed by this gospel. You see atheists turning around, giving their life to Jesus. When they have, they have proclaimed, they say, you know, I'm going to prove to all of y'all that Christianity is false. Lee Strobel, Josh McDowell, people that now they write, they're advocates for Christianity. The case for Jesus, the case for the resurrection. And they used to be atheists. That said, you know, I'm going to prove to you that this idea of Jesus' resurrection, that, that's just a bunch of baloney. And they encountered the risen Savior. This message of the gospel is still transforming lives. It has changed yours. And we continue to transform us so that we be more like Jesus. To tell people that you want transformation, you want to really change your lives. Listen to the words of the gospel. Make the gospel of Jesus Christ yours. That's the good news for you. And not just good news here, for, also for the life to, to come. You and I need to take a stand for the gospel because it's going to be attacked. And you and I need to know how to defend that, how to like, that's not the gospel. It sounds like it, but it, it's not. You know, there's gospels out there in, in which Jesus is just, a, <laughs> it's crazy. Jesus is the brother of Satan. You're just like, really? I mean... Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, they have that kind of theology. That, no, Jesus, how about this one? Jesus was just a prophet. You know, he wasn't really the son of God. Paul says from the beginning, knowing as the son of God by power. So you see, those people now are contradicting what the apostle Paul said. And he saw Jesus. These people haven't. But they say, no, he wasn't really who he claimed to be. Just because they wanted to discredit the good news of Jesus. They want to say that he wasn't the savior. Peter says salvation is found in no one else because there's no other name given to men by whom we are to be saved. The gospel has the power to transform lives because it is Jesus Christ and Him crucified and resurrected that will bring peace to this world, that will bring life to us. Jesus said, I came so that in me you may have life and life more abundantly. And I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except Except through me. We've got to take a stand for what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. You and I have been commissioned to tell others about this great news. Paul says, I want you to know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've been commissioned to preach to people. doesn't matter who they are. And you and I need to see ourselves as the apostle Paul. Sometimes you say, well, I don't know much, I don't know much of the Bible. But you have a story to tell. You can tell people how the Lord has transformed your life, what He has done in your life, and now you know He can do the same for you. You all have a story that how God is transforming, changing you, and, and, and or liberating you from some kind of issue. We all have stories of how about the greatness of God, and when you share that story, truly, what you're doing, you're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, because the story you have is because of what Jesus has done in your life. God is at work through the message that you and I can bring to someone. Never underestimate what God can do the moment you're willing to go and open your mouth and, and share with somebody. Talk to somebody. I always said last year I went, uh, I was, uh, I went 
we went to the resort in the DR, and I went to the gym, you know, after that, and, and so here's a guy, and I thought he was Dominican, because he looked like me, and so, uh, but he happened to be from the state, from Ohio, and we were just talking, you know, as we were working out, and then later on he said, are you a Christian? And then we were just talking about, and then he said, in his words, that apparently God placed me there because he was running away. Like he just got there with his family and, you know, there were some issues in the church. And he was up to the point of quitting. And just now we had this conversation. He said, man, it's almost like God appointed you to talk to me that day. Isn't that amazing? Like I just went there to work out and now we're talking about God. Said, oh, yeah, I came here. My dad's a pastor. We celebrated the 50th, the 50th year anniversary of ministry. And, you know, I'm also a pastor in Staten Island Christian Church. And I, and I was like, now I'm talking to a pastor. And I just don't want to go to church anymore. And I was like, there it is. God rearranged that meeting. At the time of the day that I went and have, he was the only one there. And then when I said, hola, como esta? No comprendo. You know, it's like now, it's like now we, we switch to English. And then it's like, oh, you know. And God would do things like that. All that, you, all that he needs from you and I, all that he wants from you and I is our availability and willingness to go, you know, and talk to somebody, perhaps. You know, sometimes like, well, I don't know what to say. Jesus said, at that moment, I will give you words to say. Don't worry about what you would say. Just trust me what I would do with your story. Trust me what I would do with what you have. Never underestimate what you have. Don't think that I, I don't have enough. I don't have enough knowledge. None of us. I don't have it. Just say, whatever you have is enough for me to use to, in, to create an impact in the world. You think those 12 apostles were perfect? Man, they were some messed up people. And God changed the world with 12 apostles. There was one that hated Romans. He wanted just to kill him. And, just, and God changed the Imagine what he can do with Staten Island Christian Church, with us. Because we all have different people that, that we come in touch with. Imagine what God can do through us when we're willing to let ourselves be used by the mighty God, by his power. There is power in, in Jesus' name, there is power in the good news of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of it. Share it with other people. Would you pray with me in this? Church?